Welcome to the Park Road Podcast for February 23rd, 2014. Today's podcast is a sermon given by Russ Dean, co-pastor with Amy Jackstein at Park Road Baptist Church. The sermon is entitled, Imperfect Imperative. In order for you to have a perfect understanding of today's sermon, you need to begin with the meditation of commitment at the end of your bulletin. Be perfect. I always thought this meant a requirement for me that God would not be able to love me because I couldn't be perfect. C.S. Lewis comments that the Greek imperative and the Greek imperfect are spelled alike. Therefore, a better translation is you will be perfect. Perfection is more a gift than a demand. Claim the promise, you will be perfect if you come to Jesus as you are. That is what God wants to do, what God is utterly, utterly capable of. John Claypool. Now I've told you before, <clears throat> excuse me, that as the son of two English majors, incorrect grammar usage was just not an option in my home. My father would often stop me and say, um, Russ, could we talk about that sentence? It was so aggravating. <clears throat> And now I'm doing it to my own sons, I'm sorry. (laughs) Apparently no one even teaches grammar these days, which is actually pretty obvious just from listening to a lot of people talk. Ironically, there is this angry learn English movement going on in America today, but as you know, it is directed mostly to proper speakers of other languages, not to the large percentage of native speakers who haven't a clue about correct pronoun usage in their own language. Oh, I'm sorry that I have become my father's son. And I will not bore you too much today because I know that most of you are not concerned about subject-verb agreement or the shameful neglect and abuse of the lonely apostrophe. (laughs) But I do need to clarify two terms before I get to the place where the sermon officially begins at. (laughs) And if you don't know why that's funny, the joke is on you. The imperative voice is used for verbs that express a command. Often these sentences come with no stated subject. Go into all the world. Preach the gospel. Follow me. Be perfect. Uh, What about the imperfect voice? Do you remember? Well, I couldn't remember either. So my favorite local grammarian, Beverly Doyle, straightened me out yesterday with one phone call. Um, There is no imperfect voice in English. There is a perfect voice, past and future, but no imperfect voice in English. And I don't remember enough of my Greek grammar, I'm assuming you don't either, to disagree, so I'm going to go with C.S. Lewis and assume that he is right, that a better translation of be perfect 
which is in the imperative, would have been you will be perfect, which is in the imperfect. Right, got it? Be perfect, imperative. You will be perfect, imperfect. The imperative and the imperfect. And now the grammar lesson is over. I know you're glad, so let's begin. Jesus spoke a lot of difficult words. If you want to be my disciples, he said, deny yourself, take up your cross, which meant death, and follow. Let the dead bury their own dead, he said. Sell everything that you have and give it to the poor, he said. Jesus spoke a lot of difficult words, words that have been the subject of great debate. I came not to bring peace, but a sword, he said. What he meant and what he didn't mean have been of great debate. Turn the other cheek. Whether we are supposed to understand his message literally or symbolically, it's easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle, he said, than for a rich person to get to heaven. Jesus spoke a lot of difficult words, but today's text may be the most difficult of all for you and me. The human animal has been plagued by a tendency towards self-doubt always, and when John Calvin formulated a theological doctrine called total depravity 500 years ago, the Christian church plunged us even deeper into insecurity and an obsession with our own unworthiness. Calvin said, you are black to the heart with your sin. Most of us have believed him. It's a problem we may never outlive, so it is difficult to imagine a more deadly potion than a religiously imposed guilt and shame and self-hatred. Perfect. Not me. So these may be the most difficult words Jesus ever spoke to people, most who have never believed in themselves. Jesus audaciously, maybe foolishly, said, Be perfect. You, Sally, and Debbie, and Paul, and Greg, and Buck and Parks, Tom, Russ, you be perfect. Just as perfect as God is perfect, that's what it says. Can you imagine a more inappropriate, incomprehensible, imperfect imperative? Let me give you a word of historical critical critique about this passage today. The gospel writer known as Luke also records what might be this same command that Jesus gave. But Luke's sixth chapter uses the word compassionate instead of perfect. Be compassionate, Luke says, as God is compassionate. Now this is a tall order in itself. Feel with the passion of God. Empathize with your neighbor. Don't just sympathize with her. 
Don't just have pity on someone offering a condescending handout. Join them with them. Live with them. Know their experience. Feel their pain. Just as God in Christ has known our pain. Be compassionate as God is compassionate. Now, these different renderings, compassionate and perfect, might be two different encounters. Jesus may have literally said them both, but most scholars see in these texts a common episode, one episode in Jesus' life. So the question becomes, what did Jesus really say and who changed the words? Did Jesus say, be compassionate, and Matthew rendered it, be perfect or did Jesus say be perfect and Luke found that just a little bit too difficult and so he softened it slightly be compassionate because Jesus never lets us off the hook very easy I'm gonna go with the latter it sounds just like something aggravating Jesus would say doesn't it be perfect Jeff Betty, Anne-Marie, you be perfect. And now go and figure out what that means. And more important than that, spend a lifetime doing it. Doesn't that sound like something aggravating Jesus would have said? But what does it mean? Be perfect. The Apostle Paul said to the church at Rome, none is righteous, no, not one. Not even righteous, much less perfect. So what could Jesus have meant? I like C.S. Lewis's imperfect voice. You will be perfect. And I like John Claypool's understanding that this is really a promise. You will be perfect. But I want to try something a little different on you for this morning. The word that Matthew uses, perfect, the Greek word there is teleoi, from the Greek root telos. You know what a telescope is, same root. A telescope is a tool that we use. It focuses our attention. It helps us to look out into the distant sky and see where we have been, where we have come from. It helps us to search for direction and purpose. There is a teleological argument going on in your country today. It's very active, whether you know it or not. You may have heard it just a few weeks ago in that much-hyped debate between Ken Ham, the avowed creationist, and Bill Nye, the science guy. Did the world just happen, or is there a telos to it? Is there direction? Is there purpose? Is there meaning? Did it come from somewhere? Is it going somewhere? Is there telos? It's a teleological argument. The root means perfect. So to be perfect is to have telos, a sense of direction, to be purposeful, to be guided in what we do by a sense that there is something more. Jesus' challenge is imperfect in a way, less than perfect, 
only because that is how we see ourselves as broken, as imperfect. But the context of that statement should help us to understand it. It comes at the end of this powerful sermon on love. The statement serves as a synopsis, a, synopsis, a summary of everything Jesus has said about love coming before it. He begins, do not think that I have come to abolish the law or the prophets. I have come not to abolish, but to fulfill. But, he said to his disciples, unless your righteousness exceeds that of the scribes and the Pharisees, you will never enter the kingdom of heaven. Now, when we hear scribes and Pharisees too often, unfortunately, because we have been um, subject to anti-Semitism in too much Christian preaching. We hear scribes and Pharisees and we think hypocrites. Scribes and Pharisees were the righteous. Everybody knew that. They studied, they were devoted, they were committed, they were looked up to in the society. The scribes and the Pharisees were righteous. It's not a bad word. But Jesus said they had misunderstood something. And even our righteousness had to be better than theirs. We had to learn something new. You know, they kept the letter of the law perfectly. But Jesus said they had missed its purpose. They knew the rules, but they were not keeping them. They, but the rules were keeping them from relationship. They kept the law but they had not learned to love. According to religion, they were perfect. But Jesus said, what's the purpose? You have heard that it was said, do not murder. That's the letter of the law. But Jesus said the purpose of love is to teach us to show hostility to no one. Don't be angry at your brother. Don't call anyone bad names. You have heard that it was said you should not commit adultery. That's the letter of the law. But Jesus said the purpose of the law is to teach us that love is never predatory. Love respects the other. Even a lustful look degrades someone by reducing them into an object of your appetite instead of seeing them as, a, as full of extraordinary worth. The letter of the law says no divorce, but the purpose of the law is to help us find true love in our relationships. The letter of the law spells out how to make legal oaths but the purpose of love is to make us unconditionally truthful. The letter of the law spells out justice in revenge. Take only an eye for an eye. But purposeful love seeks reconciliation, not retaliation. Even just retaliation. Love seeks reconciliation. The letter of the law says you have to love your neighbor, but love asks, who is my neighbor? And it dares us to find a neighbor even in the ranks of the enemy. You see, you can keep the law 
perfectly and miss love altogether. Jesus says law, excuse me, Jesus says love is the only law. And if, you will li- if we will live our lives in the direction of love, if love becomes our purpose, that'll be perfect enough. Mired in the muck of low self-esteem and wallowing in the mud of self-doubt and self-loathing, we think of perfection as something we cannot be. The great irony here is that God, in whose image we were made, could not care less about our imperfections, could not care less about our imperfections. In fact, whatever it is that we are afraid of about ourselves, whatever seems lacking, whatever we doubt, Wherever we are afraid, these so-called weaknesses are actually just perfect for God who says, my power is made perfect in your weakness, not in your perfection. God's power is made perfect in weakness, and that's good news. So while we are off working our fingers to the bone, anxiously striving to be something we were never made to be, or while we are retreating from Jesus' challenge altogether because we have written it off as an impossible ideal, God is trying to get our attention to say to you, I don't need that. I don't want that. I want you just as you are imperfect but purposeful in loving and in your weakness I will perfect my love. You will be perfect because for God's purposes actually you already are. It is an imperfect imperative. May it be so. Amen. Thanks for listening today. We invite you to learn more about Park Road at parkroadbaptist.org. Park Road is a progressive faith community located in Charlotte, North Carolina, encouraging independent thought, community service, social justice, and interfaith understanding. Grace and peace to you.